Tonight, the emotional roller coaster as Canada returns to the World Cup. The electric atmosphere blunted by Belgium. You know, it didn't go our way today, but we're definitely going to come back, uh, come back stronger. The mood among fans far and wide. A Canadian teenager killed after twin blasts in Jerusalem. This is a neighborhood, yeah, young people going to yeshiva, to school. The carnage and the condemnation. Plus, demanding answers after a baby survives a shocking hit and run. She's very thankful that the baby is safe. The car that careened into a stroller. As a parent, it's terrifying because um, it could happen to anyone. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Reporting tonight from Doha. The Canadian flag flying high in Qatar with a team that clearly belongs here. Good evening, everyone. The Canadian players ran onto the field today carrying the hopes of a nation with them. And while they may have lost, they did not disappoint. Canada was back at the World Cup for the first time since 1986. But a saved penalty shot and a goal at the other end was enough for favorites Belgium to get the win, sending Canada to the bottom of their group, at least for now. CTV's Heather Wright on the powerful moments before, during and after a beautiful game that was a long time coming. For the first time in a generation, O Canada was heard at a World Cup match. Sung proudly by the team on the field and the fans there to cheer them on. I love the sport, I love my country and I'm so glad that Canada gets to take part of this. It's amazing. For millions of Canadians, this is a moment they've never seen in their lifetime. We had to be here. We had to be here. And the high hopes outside the stadium. We're going to do something magical here. I just feel it. Were realized early on the pitch. Canada dominated possession for most of the first half. And got a golden opportunity with a penalty kick in the ninth minute. It's Davies denied by Courtois. A huge save denied Alfonso Davies, Canada's first ever World Cup goal. And with just minutes left in the first half, Belgium scored the game's only goal, beating Canada 1-0. It happens, you know, uh, you pick a side, goalkeeper gets correctly, you know, he, he saves it or you get lucky, you put it in. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, obviously I got to keep my head up after that. For a game where Canada was widely considered the underdogs, they did more than hold their own. We played some good stuff today and we we're just a bit unlucky not to get a, a better result. A result that didn't reflect how this team played, according to the captain, Atiba Hutchinson's family. Really, really super. Couldn't be any more proud. And while fans are deflated, they are certainly not deterred. We're putting soccer on the map. Um, I'm just so proud to be Canadian today. Shortly after the final whistle, coach John Herdman gathered his players into a huddle, telling them they proved themselves today. I just showed them the stats. I just showed them they belong here told them they belong here and we're going to go and F Croatia. That's as, as simple as it gets. Next up for Canada is 12th ranked Croatia on Sunday. 
They tied Morocco in their opening match, and coach John Herdman says the group is still wide open for Canada, especially if they play as well as they did today. Omar. They certainly fought hard. Heather Wright, thank you for this tonight. The excitement of this day can't be overstated for the players and their families. When Sam Adekubi subbed on in the second half, no one was happier than his mother. My son is in the World Cup. My son is in the World Cup. Yeah, baby. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. An amazing moment. A lot of passion as well from Canadians right across the country. CTV's Vanessa Lee on how today's game looked through the eyes of the fans. Celebration in the streets of Montreal before kickoff. A long-awaited moment for fans to show their true colors. You've been waiting 36 years for this? That's right. You know, like, I remember watching them, you know, when I was in high school, age 16, and I... I it was all the world to me, and to see them now, like 36 years later, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. From coast to coast, Canadian pride was on full display. They played with their guts, they played with their heart. It was standing room only as diehard fans packed bars in the middle of the day to cheer on the underdogs. I'm missing work, and uh, my friend's missing neuroscience class, so... But, I mean, you can't miss on this opportunity. An opportunity also to see perseverance pays off. This is the Edmonton Junior High, where star forward Alfonso Davies walked the halls. It was really fun to know that I went to the same school as one of, like, a world-class footballer. And I felt, like, honored and proud during the game and really excited. It really keeps the dream alive that someone who came to this school and uh, is living the life that we had can make it to the professionals. And uh, it means a lot to watch him on the big screen and to see him in the World Cup. Despite the loss, fans are still riding high. Inspired by Team Canada's fearless effort against one of the world's best. This World Cup has been the definition of underdogs. We got Saudi Arabia did things against Argentina, Japan today against Germany. Why not Canada against anyone else in this tournament? I really believe that we can make some magic happen. Viewing parties may be even bigger for the next game on Sunday morning when fewer people will be at work. Omar. CTV's Vanessa Lee in Montreal tonight. There were more moments of protest in Qatar today over FIFA's ban on One Love armbands at the World Cup. Belgium's foreign minister wore one as she met with FIFA's president at today's match against Canada. The armband is a symbol of inclusion and diversity, while Qatar has outlawed same-sex relationships. German players showed their anger by posing for a team photo with their hands over their mouths. And One Love armband sales have been booming since the ban. The Dutch company that makes them says it has sold out. Some political friction in Canada tonight, where Alberta's justice minister wants the federal government to fire the head of the RCMP. Tyler Shandro stated Alberta has lost confidence in RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky over her testimony at two public inquiries. But Lucky says she isn't going anywhere, stating, I remain fully committed to leading the RCMP. The federal cabinet has also rejected that call, while more top ministers took the stand at one of those inquiries today, looking into the use of the Emergencies Act. Here's CTV's Judy Trin. Just three days after the Freedom Convoy arrived in the capital, 
Justice Minister David Lametti asked his staff to prepare for the possibility the Emergencies Act would be invoked. Because the worst scenario would be something explodes and we are not ready to use it because we haven't done the, the, the kinds of consultations necessary. Lametti is also the Attorney General, the government's lawyer. He can't reveal the legal advice he gave Cabinet, but Lametti said the decision to invoke is a political one and does not depend on CSIS defining a national security threat. But Lametti was growing increasingly frustrated with the police. His staff were being harassed for wearing masks, and he was forced to move out of his downtown home for safety reasons. In a text exchange with the public safety minister, Marco Menencino, he calls former Ottawa police chief Peter Slowly incompetent. So I was frustrated, I have to admit. This is, this is a complete product of, of the heat of the moment. After a public emergency was declared, the hashtag AssassinateLametti trended on Twitter. There were threats to shoot, stone and gut the minister until he bled out. In another text with Menachino, Lemeni mused about calling in the CAF or Army for help. The Canadian Armed Forces are the force of last resort. The Defence Minister was against using soldiers to maintain public order, but Anita Anand did authorize the use of a parking lot for police to stage operations and 1,800 meal packs to feed officers in the event that Parliament Hill would be locked down. Our country's soldiers are not police officers. They are not trained in crowd control. They are not trained in protest management. The inquiry is building toward its climax. On Friday, we'll hear from its final witness, the Prime Minister. Protesters are expected and security will be high. Omar. All right, Judy, thank you. Tonight, the Prime Minister has condemned the killing of a young Canadian in two explosions that ripped through Jerusalem this morning. As CTV's Kevin Gallagher reports, he is the latest casualty of a deadly conflict in the Middle East. This is the moment morning rush hour turned deadly in Jerusalem. The bomb was one of two set off at busy bus stops 30 minutes apart. The explosions injured more than a dozen people and killed Aryeh Shupak, a 16-year-old Canadian-Israeli citizen from Edmonton. He was on his way to school. We condemn this heinous act of terror that claimed the life of a young man and injured too many. Uh, and our thoughts are with uh, the family and uh, the loved ones of, of the victims. <laughs> At Shupak's funeral, an entire community is overwhelmed by grief. Israel's outgoing Prime Minister, Yair Lapid, says the boy never harmed anyone and was killed simply for being Jewish. Israeli media reports the explosive devices contained nails to maximize the impact and were set off remotely. Israel's police commissioner called it a Palestinian terrorist attack, while Hamas praised the bombing but did not claim responsibility. This comes as tensions are high in the region after frequent Israeli military raids into the West Bank. Just last night, this 16-year-old Palestinian boy was killed after an exchange of gunfire. Today, he was laid to rest. And in Jerusalem, a rabbi at Shupak School described him as a special student, always smiling. This morning, the teenager was feeling sick, Omar, and almost stayed home.
such a terrible tragedy for his family. All right, Kevin Gallagher in Ottawa tonight. Members of a Hasidic Jewish community in Montreal are rallying around a woman and a baby tonight after they just barely survived a hit and run. Quebec Bureau Chief Genevieve Beauchemin has the details and a warning. The footage you're about to see in her report is hard to watch. A home surveillance camera captured what was supposed to be a peaceful mid-afternoon walk last week. Any additional units available? A black car appears to ignore a stop sign and to speed up towards a woman pushing a stroller, dragging it over several meters, then driving away. Luckily, in the stroller, the baby was really well attached, so from there we didn't fall from the stroller, so that avoid, uh, I would say, major injuries. Though the baby escaped unscathed, it was horrific to watch for those also at the crosswalk. Obviously, I saw a big, uh, big commotion of, uh, you know, police and EMTs and everything, and obviously we found that after ever we saw the baby on the carriage on the floor, and obviously the baby was okay, thank God. As a parent, it's terrifying, because um, it could happen to anyone. The hit and run in this neighborhood, Outremont, with a large Hasidic community, has many asking why this happened, whether the pedestrian and baby were victims of a hate crime, and whether police are doing enough to find the answers. It can be either two things. Either it was just a, a very distracted driver or it was a deliberate act. And uh, we trust the police that they will do their investigation thoroughly and, and find the person. Quebec's public security minister has also watched the video circulating widely on social media since last night. Horrible situation. Uh, like I said, it's a, there's an inquiry right now. We will see what happened, why this has happened, and after that we will uh, we will uh, uh, give some answer, additional answer. Police didn't come forward about the accident until after the video circulated online, and some now say that could have meant wasted time in trying to determine just who was behind the wheel. Omar. An answer to a question many want to know. Genevieve Beauchemin in Montreal tonight. Genevieve, thank you. In a war that has killed at least a thousand children, there is a depraved new low tonight. A two-day-old baby has died after two missiles struck a maternity ward in southern Ukraine. The baby's mother somehow managed to survive. She and a doctor were rescued from the rubble. And rare acts of defiance from the workforce in China to show you tonight. Take a look at this. At the world's biggest iPhone factory, the staff clashed with police in hazmat suits. Workers started protesting last month, fed up by the low pay and strict COVID restrictions, which required them to live at the facility. Apple warns the unrest could slow down the supply chain. Time for a short break, but when we come back... It felt like forever getting out of that store. A mass shooting at a U.S. Walmart, plus Team Belgium on Team Canada, a post-game performance review. On the eve of U.S. Thanksgiving, the state of Virginia is in a state of shock tonight over a mass shooting at a Walmart store. The shooter was a disgruntled employee who killed at least six people, most of them his co-workers, before he turned the gun on himself. Here, CTV's Los Angeles Bureau Chief Tom Walters. Gunfire erupts in a Virginia Walmart and armored police rush in. They're still running in with Kevlar on. That's two more right now. And customer Jeremy Basham sees victims wheeled out. That guy was not moving. 
Inside, a man with a pistol and multiple clips. And it is by the grace of God that a bullet missed me. Not gonna lie, I literally looked at him. I saw the, the, the smoke leaving the, the gun and I literally watched bodies drop. Six victims have died. Three were pronounced dead in hospital. One was found dead in the store and two more in an employee break room where police also found the body of the shooter. And the suspect is dead from what we believe was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. The gunman has been identified as 31-year-old Andre Bing, a manager at the store. Because it was her manager, Brianna Tyler thought the shooting was some kind of drill. I think seeing him doing it is what threw me off. It would have been anybody else. I'm like, oh my God, but it being that it was my manager, I'm not thinking that, you know, he's really doing something. But yeah, he just opened fire and he literally was just doing like this. He was not aiming at anybody specific. He was just shooting all throughout the room. Police don't know why. The investigation is still ongoing, so there's no clear motive at this time. But all too clear, the terrifying reality. It didn't kick in until I looked at my coworker and she was bleeding out of her neck. And once I saw blood, I was like, oh, this is real. And then that's when I realized you have to run. And then I just ran for my life pretty much. This is among the deadliest of more than 600 mass shootings in the U.S. this year. Tom Walters, CTV News, Los Angeles. Still ahead, a disturbing discovery. Getting to the bottom of a 26-year sewage leak into a Canadian harbor. Welcome back to Doha, ranked as one of the most polluted capitals in the world. Tonight, a Canadian city is coping with its own dirty secret that's only now rising to the surface. CTV's Heather Butts on What's in the Water in Hamilton, Ontario. For more than 25 years, dozens of homes have been flushing directly into the Hamilton Harbour. What we're talking about that's happened here is something that never should have happened. The city made the discovery while reviewing video for an unrelated job and immediately began to fix the issue. It's not a broken or leaky pipe, but one hooked up incorrectly by a contractor in the mid-90s. A hole in a sanitary sewer draining raw sewage into a pipe that is supposed to flow only stormwater into Lake Ontario. I would characterize this as an anomaly. I sincerely hope. It looks like the drawings that they were working off of were wrong. The city is still doing the math to figure out just how much sewage from 39 properties has flowed through the underwater pipe and into the harbour. I don't know how it went undetected so long. Julie McKinty lives in the area and is frustrated by the revelation. Our taxes pay for you to take care of these things for us. How can you overlook it? This is just the latest long-term spill to plague the city. It's still dealing with cleanup efforts after 24 billion litres of sewage leaked into a creek for years. The new mayor and former NDP leader is vowing more transparency. It is a matter of making sure that, uh, uh, that we are being open and that we're communicating and that we are letting people know as soon as possible. Dozens of improper cross connections are discovered and fixed in cities each year, but this involved multiple properties and lasted nearly three decades. The mayor has asked the city auditor to start a preliminary investigation. It really is comparatively a trickle into a very large volume of water. The city says once its assessment is finished, it will publicly report how much sewage the pipe has dumped into the harbour. Heather Butts, CTV News, Hamilton, Ontario. And here in Doha, Japanese fans have been winning over the Qataris. 
for staying late on cleanup duty. Here they are after their team's victory over Germany tonight, long after the game, cleaning up the trash in the stadium, something they've also been seen doing at other matches this week. Polite and respectful visitors. After the break, a look back at a monumental day for Canadian soccer. We circle back to Team Canada, reflecting on tonight's fearless World Cup performance. The loss is certainly disappointing, but here's the upside. The Canadians proved to the world they can hang with the best. Here's TSN's Matthew Shinati on the strong showing. With O Canada sung by a strong Canadian crowd still ringing in their ears, Canada's men in their first World Cup game in 36 years put pressure on the number two team in the world. Alfonso Davies, though, missed a penalty early in the first half. Canada might have had another penalty a little later on. And then Belgium striker Michi Bashuai scored at the end of the half. And the World Cup lesson that is the toughest is this. If you don't take your chances, you will be burned. It was disappointing, um, you know, to always taste defeat. You know, for anybody, it's, it's, not, it's not easy to lose. But I think the boys did well today. You know, we came out. Um, against a, a great Belgium squad, we showed that we can. We belong on the stage. We showed that we we can play at this at this level. Dan Canada loss on Wednesday night, notwithstanding their effort. And after the game, underneath the stadium near Belgium's locker room, there was a lot of commiserating between Belgian players and Canadians, especially those who know Captain Atiba Hutchinson. Well done, Captain. Was their message to Canada's captain? Just have the same mentality like we had today. Um, maybe just be a little bit more decisive when we get that chance to to get that goal, and uh, hopefully we can go out there and uh, pull off a, a good result next game. And veteran defender Steve Vittoria took time with Belgium goalkeeper Thibaut Courtois, who offered his honest assessment of Belgium's win on Wednesday. Canada deserved more, Courtois said. Matthew Shinetti, TSN. Doha. Team Canada gave it a great shot, and that is a snapshot of this Wednesday. I'm Omar Sachedina. For all of us at CTV National News here in Doha and back at the National Newsroom, thank you for watching. Good night, and see you tomorrow. Superstar with an opportunity to make history. It's Davies denied by Courtois. That's why on the right. What a run that is. This one is played downfield. It's a chance to Batshuayi, and Belgium take the lead. About this team is they will not think they're beaten, they will not be deflated. Johnston's ball into the box. It is not the result Canada would have wanted on the return.